What's up, guys? I'm EJ, and I'm joined by Kendall. And thank you all for checking out this edition of the Uncommitted Podcast. It's been a little bit of a while. It's our first podcast in the new year. We took a little bit of a break, but thank you to our listeners, not just on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, but also on SoundCloud. If you're in tune in, and thank you to our YouTube uh, viewers and subscribers who are checking us out on YouTube. It should be a really great show. I'm back, glad to be back talking high school basketball recruiting. We'll be talking about some of the uh, successes we're seeing from the Gonzaga Bulldogs, not necessarily, not just on uh, the court, but uh, potentially in recruiting with some very high-end recruits seem to be uh, seriously considering the Zags given some of the recent predictions we're seeing from the, uh, the, the, the experts and aficionados when it comes to this recruiting game. We'll also talk about some of the struggles we're seeing from Kentucky, not just on the court, but also potentially on the recruiting trail. And then some of the top players, not just in 2021 class, but 2022 class, made some recent news. So it should be a good show. There's a lot to get to. I'm excited to be back at it, Kendall. Are they in the 2022? Are they in the 2022 class? Well, uh, <laughs> I guess we'll see. We'll talk about that. But yeah, yeah, no, we had a uh, you know what was a very interesting year uh, in college basketball recruiting last year. Um, Given you know we had the pandemic hit and guys making their decisions based off of that potentially, and we saw guys go to the G League, which was a surprise. So we'll see what twenty twenty one brings uh, on the recruiting trail. But certainly there are some trends that seem to be going well for some teams and seem to be not going well for some others. So uh, we'll get into all that. But yeah, excited to uh, get back uh, get back to this conversation. Absolutely, let's kick it off with the Zag. So Gonzaga. Uh, has been dominant in the season thus far, and recent crystal ball predictions suggest that that success could potentially be translating to the recruiting trail. According to the recruiting analyst at 2247 Sports, the Zags appear to be uh, on the inside track on consensus number one player in the country for the 2021 class, Chet Holmgren. It also appears Gonzaga is in an intense two-team battle with Kentucky over uh, five-guard Hunter Salas, with experts still split on uh, where the Omaha, Nebraska product will end up. So, Kendall, um, you know, obviously, besides these Johnnies who have struggled a little bit this season, the Zags are uh, my college basketball team. It's been really exciting to see what they've done on the court and how that may uh, translate to recruiting. Uh, do you think the Zags will end up nabbing both of these five stars here? Um, so, first of all, I mean, we have to mention that, obviously, you know, Gonzaga's been on Hunter Salas for a while, but it, they never seemed like a realistic option uh, all summer. It seemed like Kentucky was the favorite, Kansas was in there, uh, and, um, Creighton was in there at one point, obviously being a local guy. Uh, and Gonzaga was there, but it seemed like it would probably end up being a Kentucky-Kansas battle. But there's no question that what Jalen Sutton has done uh, has obviously put Gonzaga potentially in pole position to, to land uh, Hunter Salas here in the uh, in the in the spring in the spring uh, signing signing period because um, obviously what these guys love to see even more than especially the five star future one and done guys they they love to see other one and dones you know thrive at these schools and Gonzaga hasn't. They've had a one-and-done in Zach Collins. They haven't had a one-and-done guard yet, and that's what Hunter Salas is. And so, like, Chet Holmgren, like, yeah, I mean, he knows he's going to go to Gonzaga, and he's going to dominate. But Hunter Salas, like, look, Gonzaga put a lot of chips in Jalen Suggs, and in some regards they got lucky that some of these other Blue Bloods didn't really invest as much time and effort in getting Jalen Suggs because they may have thought he was going overseas or going to the G League or maybe playing football. So Gonzaga spent that time, they spent that work. Hunter Salas, there isn't that necessarily concern. So, you know, they have, they have to fend, you know, they, this is the first time Gonzaga would really be fending off Kentucky and Kansas to get a five-star recruit. And so in some respects, getting, while getting Chet Holmgren is, you know, the number one player in the country and would mean, a, it would be a major statement, it's kind of expected considering, um, you know, Gonzaga's history with Biggs um, and, you have his teammate on the roster. Um, whereas Hunter Salas, you know, that's a guy that, and also Holmgren, you're not competing against Duke and Kentucky to get him. You know, for whatever reason, those schools aren't recruiting him either. But um, but when it comes to Hunter Salas, you are competing against the Blue Blood. So this is a, a unique recruitment. I tend to think that they'll probably get both. 
uh, the way the trends are working, the way the trends are looking. The one caveat I will mention, though, is that the Chet Holmgren recruitment um, for a lot of for a lot of the last couple of months, it's reminded me eerily similar to the Jalen Green recruitment of last year in that he hadn't talked much about. His recruit. He hasn't talked much about his recruitment on the record. You know, he doesn't do many interviews. Um, he did one recently uh, with two four seven, but he doesn't talk about his recruitment that much. He doesn't seem very interested in the recruiting process. And there's a one. There's one school last year with Jalen Green. It was Memphis. This year with Gonzaga. That people kind of assume because he's not doing all these interviews. They kind of assume well, probably wasn't going to go. Given he took a visit there, and you know that's where the obvious connections are. So you know, chalk it up to he'll probably end up going there. And just like with Jalen Green, he was bound to go to Memphis. But the one thing that happened with Green that could have been foreseen was that his, his obvious disinterest in the recruiting process meant that he was probably going to go pro. So I do wonder if Chet Holmgren, you know, he has said time and time again that, you know, he wants to play in college, uh, but he's always loved, you know, kind of a caveat. Recently, he didn't leave a caveat. He recently, he said, I am going to college. It makes you wonder if that's where some of the recent Gonzaga, you know, picks have come from. But, I, you know, that's the one thing I'll throw out there is that, well, yes, I think if Chet Holmgren plays college basketball, then he'll go to Gonzaga. If he doesn't play college basketball, then I, he will not be a Gonzaga Bulldog. And I don't know if it's 100% guarantee. But, but look, if you're Gonzaga, I mean, you don't care. I mean, obviously you care because you want him, but, you know... <laughs> You're not gonna you're not gonna not recruit him or say we don't want him because he's considering going to it's just the same situation Memphis was in with Jalen Green. You have a chance to get that guy, you got yeah. to get Yeah, I mean in terms of uh well, how I think this will shape out, look, I mean I think the one of the things I think you get the nail on the head in in that these one and done guys wanna see players go to a school and thrive individually and team success wise, you know. And, you know, we've seen some guys maybe go to a school that isn't the greatest. And maybe they end up still being the number one pick or a top two or three pick. But we don't see that school really ever, like, use that momentum to get other guys. I think a lot of times it's because those schools, you know, LSU is the one that came comes to example the era of the you know the previous coach they had, not you know, Johnny Jones, not... Uh, Marco Fultz. <laughs> right. Or, yeah, Marco Fultz is another one um, where, where you don't see them really, you know, double up on that success and, and then you know eventually that coach is gone <laughs> because you know there there isn't uh, a pipeline coming through i think the difference with gonzaga and what these recruits are, recruits are seeing is not only can you go to this team that you know plays team basketball i mean we watch gonzaga play they're not uh here's the ball and just you go do whatever you want like you know they run a system um they, they, they're about sharing the ball it's not going to be one guy taking 25 30 shots and there's a hierarchy, you know, even though Suggs is the most talented player in Gonzaga, the guys that get the most shots are uh, Kispert and uh, and Timmy. So, um, but despite that, you're seeing still Suggs have this great season and you're seeing Gonzaga just run through everybody. And um, they look like a, 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 a for sure, Final Four a contender and finalist, uh, probably. So I think when t- these guys are seeing that, I think it's kind of making it clear, you know, why am I going to jump to uh, a school? these other schools that haven't had the success in terms of recent recruits thriving individually and uh and as a team with their with the squads they go to why don't i go to gonzaga which we know has a great player development system great coach and mark view and um one of the winningest programs we have in college basketball right now um i i definitely think they're going to get one of the two i can't say for sure they'll get both i mean i've never seen gonzaga get two top 10 kind of guys that's never happened before in the history of the program so i'm not gonna just say oh yeah book it that's gonna happen you know when you get into this game you know crazy weird things happen and who knows you know hunters out can go to duke and we'd be like oh what the heck you know you don't you don't know what's gonna happen look man but, I, I i look i know exactly what you mean <laughs> right so, so i don't so i don't i don't want one week you think jalen green's you know signed with memphis and the next week he's like i'm going to the g league yeah he signed know? he's signing with the g league so it's you know you never know but, you know, I get the impression that, you know, with Holmgren, the only thing will stop Gonzaga, I think, will probably be a professional route. And I think that it helps that, you know, the guy's coach has been going to Gonzaga games all year. That he's seeing yeah. his homeboy, Jalen Suggs, you know, lift his NBA prospects. You know, Jalen Suggs was not considered a consensus top five pick before this season. Uh, maybe top ten for most people, but definitely not consensus. Yeah, not five. a consensus. 
Yeah, he's and, yeah, he was he was gonna be a lottery pick, but right, you know, lottery pick for sure. Fun. Right. And now, I mean, there are questions about well, should he go number one? I mean that 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 wouldn't have happened if he went to the G League. I, that's in my right. opinion. I don't think that yeah, would have happened. Yeah, look at Dacian Nick. You know, they were kind of viewed on the same on the same level. Most people had sucked the head, but still, you know, same class of point guard and Jason Knicks, um, it dropped some people by this. <laughs> you yeah. know, because he's just out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, so to me, you know, it's uh, it's very clear that uh, the, 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 the Gonzaga success on the court is instrumental to what we've seen off the court in recruiting. It's going to be fascinating to see if they're able to bring it home with these two five-star recruits, but I mean, I've made the pitch for years, and you know it. Like, to me, if you want to work on your game and develop, there's just no better coaching staff in the country. Is, it, so is I've there... i with too many guys who came in as... I'm talking about guys a, who were not heralded that became NBA lottery picks, you know? Right. Lots is there a concern that the Gonzaga roster going forward, like, let's say next year they do get both these guys, and both these guys, let's say, but let's say they get a, a match exit of guys that leave this year. Um... Like, let's say, like, their whole starting five, Timmy, um, you know, Suggs, Kispert, Ayayi, Nemhar, let's say they all go to the league. and But then they bring in these two guys, and, you know, they still have the guys, you know, the role players from last year on the team. Is there a concern that now you're going to have a freshman-led team and that it won't be the well-oiled machine that we've seen Gonzaga be because yeah. they have four or five guys that have been in the system? Yeah, I mean, I think... You know, this season is probably the season where the most attrition could potentially happen. But what we've seen from Mark Few, he does a really great job of kind of like layering his team and his recruiting. So, you know, I think he's sometimes able to identify who are guys that, you know, for him it hasn't really been one and done, but guys maybe out in two years or three years. And always seeming to have a transfer ready in the wings, um, an international recruit ready in the wings, a guy who they really you know thought very high of, maybe didn't play much his freshman or sophomore year, but they think that, again, a year of development, he'll be ready to go by next season. I, I'm not too concerned on him because I've seen this movie before where Gonzaga loses guys. I mean, they lost um, DeMontis when they Bonus. Lost, yeah, the Bonus, Arnowski, and Collins all in the same year, right? Right. Well, and well, uh, well no, so, well, Sabonis came back. But um, bonus came back. They but, lost. But they, but talking, out. Yeah, and and the next and they were they brought in Petrick. Right, and <laughs> and then and then they came back and they were still a, a top team. Yeah. You know, like it, and and it's always with guys that maybe the 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 rest of the college basketball world isn't familiar with. Like Gonzaga has dudes on their roster right now that are very good and they really think can play that aren't getting minutes. You know, and those guys yeah. didn't come up. We're like, who's this guy? It's like, well. When they recruited him three years ago, I mean, Gonzaga thought this guy could play. It's just the roster was kind of stacked and he didn't get time. And so I'm not super concerned because I feel like just the way Few operates, he, he just attacks building a team on all three prongs. Recruiting, like next year. Recruiting American, recruiting international, and uh, and transfers. So, yeah. yeah, so to me, when, you, when you're that multifaceted, I'm just. I'm gonna give you a chance to figure out. And he's not what recruiting. You have he's not assets. recruiting five freshmen that are all gonna start next year. You know, right, like exactly. he's recruiting two guys. Just like this year, they brought in Nemhard and Suggs as like two newcomers that you know were gonna be in the rotation. But like you know, then they bring in Ben Gregg, who's a big man who will. Yeah, who's, I guess he's, he's on the team now. Yeah, he's with the team now. So I mean, yeah. even he's gonna be in the system. Yeah. Um, and they have another kid coming in, another big that's coming in, who's a four star who will come in and. Also, you know, he won't, he'll be like Don Harris and Julian Strather are now, where they, you know, Julian Strother not playing, you know, and, but in two years will be great. And Julian Strother, Don Harris, Anton Watson, like those guys next year, Ballo might be dominant, you know, right, so exactly. that's the system, you know, it's always, it, so I, I wouldn't be too concerned, but, you know, obviously, you know, there's always that little bit of trepidation when you have, we see these guys, they start to, you know, bump up their recruiting profile a little bit. Let's uh let's move on and talk about Kentucky Kendall. So uh Kentucky's working to get their season back on track after a miserable start that has left Big Blue Nation anxious and concerned about the future of the program. It snapped the six game losing streak to begin the new year, which has culminated in some consecutive wins for Kentucky. Uh, right now, Kentucky has a consensus top five recruiting class for twenty twenty one, and that is led by Texas power forward Damian Collins. But uh, Kentucky's season continues to be a disappointing one, and perhaps one in which they don't make it to March Madness. 
how do you think that will impact recruiting? Would you think it would be a great, a big impact, not just next year, but in years going down the line? Do you think that Cal and company will be able to kind of like absorb this blow? So, I mean, look, the, there are a lot of questions right now. I mean, is the Kentucky model a winning model anymore? Um, obviously, it was a winning model in 2011. And I hate to, I hate to even cut you off, Kendall, but. You could argue is Kentucky even doing the Kentucky model, but I'll let you. I'll, right. I'll let you ponder that thought, and then I'll let you continue. <laughs> you know, it was it was it was it, you know that model was successful when you were bringing in John Wall, when you were bringing in Boogie, when you were bringing in AD and MKG, uh, exactly. you know, and Deron Lamb. Like you're bringing in you know the top you know the top five top five players in the country every year, which is what they were initially doing, and now. You know, even the guy they brought in this season, like B.J. Boston and Terrence Clark, while they're, I mean, I, I think Terrence Clark is a good player, but he's not a dominant college basketball player. And neither is, I mean, B.J. Boston, I don't even know if I can say he's a good player right now. I mean, he's, he's, he's a project. And Kentucky wasn't building a team on projects in 2011. The project on that, on that, First John Kyle Perry team was Daniel Orton. I was about to say he Daniel Orton. Project. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and he was the worst player on the on. on he was one of he was one of the worst players on the team. He was, he was barely in the rotation. And imagine if Daniel Orton was the best player on that team. I mean, that was the plan. That was the the Billy Gillespie plan. Was Daniel Orton was going to be my centerpiece? People forget about that. And then Kyle Perry came in and was like, I guess I'll keep this kid. But like, imagine that's what Kyle Perry is doing now, building around B.J. Boston and Terrence Clark. He's building around projects and. You know, that is the, that's the crux of the issue. And coming in next year, I mean, Damian Collins, not a, I mean, he could be one and done, but he could also be a project. Like, not a surefire thing. Nolan Hickman, a guard out of, out of Utah, Wasatch Academy, not a, I mean, he's a four-star. I mean, he's no different than Devin Askew. Like, you can't build around Devin Askew and expect to be, and not, not a freshman Devin Askew. Devin Askew could be really good in a year or two, given time to develop. But yeah, in a the, perfect world, Devin Askew is probably on the bench in his freshman year, maybe getting spot duty. Um, yeah, behind like he's at Arizona guard. and he's doing the, the the you know the I wouldn't even say Nick was one done, but doing like the Johnson route of like you know in like two yeah. or three years, like yeah, he'll be the Pac-12 Player of the Year. Yeah, but exactly. He decided to go to Kentucky, and they no need him to be a five-star yeah, and done freshman in the fire. Exactly. Yeah, so it's. It's it's a tough model, and then going forward, now what I, look what I'll what I'll say to Kentucky fans that are watching is that um, the grass is greener in a couple of years because um, but yeah, look I don't know if they're gonna they're probably they're not getting any money dates so like that's you cross that off um, and they they don't really see him in the running I mean they're in the running for some of these top guys of course because they always are but like if you're talking about a super dynamite guy. Kentucky is the obvious favorite to get DJ Wagner in 2023, who obviously is the number one guard in the country. Uh, his dad, obviously, Dewan Wagner, played for John Calipari at Memphis. Um, I would be, I mean, I would be shocked if, if he didn't end up in Kentucky, assuming he plays college basketball. So that is the that is the that is the light at the end of the tunnel. If you're a Kentucky fan, and you're like, why are we? You know, there's a lot of fans that want Calipari gone. I, 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 so I will say though, Kendall, you know. The way I understand Kentucky fans, I don't think you know waiting for twenty twenty three is there yeah. in their DNA though. That's a long time from now. Long time from now, and I, look, I don't know if they're going to compete at the national championship level until then. Not yeah. unless they change yeah. whatever they're doing. Yeah, and, and look, man, I, man, I'm so close to saying that it's over for Cal and Kentucky. I'm really getting there. I'm really close. That's I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say it yes yet, Kentucky fans. Um, because again, college basketball is so unpredictable, and, and, and if that's really the only reason why I'm not saying it, because it's unpredictable. Like we we threw dirt on Coach K's name um, when they were getting bounced by VCU in the first round of the tournament, you know, and Greg Paul was getting ripped at half court, you know, by Eric Maynard. We were like, this is over. It's over, Coach K. <laughs> He'll get to the tournament every year, and they'll be a respectable team. They're never going to be a Final Four team, and something changed. He coached Team USA. Seemed like other now the top guys wanted to go there. And to be fair, shout out to Nolan Smith, who's on the staff right now, John Shire, 
um, guys who worked on their games by their senior year became just unbelievable college basketball players. Yeah. Led them to that uh, first national championship. But things changed. And uh, and Coach K, you know, is where he's at right now. No, Duke's not having the greatest season. They've had a lot of, tur- uh, you know, uh, a lot of turmoil given all the – every team has had a lot of turmoil with the COVID, but they've had it particularly even with their head coach. Um, so for that reason, I don't want to just say it's over. But, I mean, all the signs suggest that it's over. And when I say it's over, I'm not saying, again, that Kentucky is not going to be a tournament team for the most part and a team that gets good players. I'm talking about there was a run with Cal where they were dominant, where they dominated on the recruiting trail, they dominated in college basketball. It's to me very clear that those days are over. Um, yes. They're not getting the same kind of players. And what I'm seeing as well, and I mean, Coach Cal probably think I'm an idiot for saying it, and that's cool because, he, you know, he's Coach Cal. He thinks everybody. Yeah, and and I and to be honest, I'm not even hating on him for it because like when you done what he's done, he has the right to think I'm an idiot. But it almost looks to me, Kendall, like Kentucky just recruits just by like reading a top twenty five list. Like it doesn't appear to me because with the Tyler Hero is the exception because that was clearly great scouting. But it doesn't. It just appears to me that the guys they're getting don't seem to fit what Coach Cal. Wants to do the 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 the, um, the 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 system and the culture and the identity that his teams have had. Like say what you want about those teams that had you know top two or three guys in the class and the stuff like that. I felt like those guys also fit Cal and fit the program and fit what he was trying to do. When I've seen the guys that have come out of that program the last three years, I don't see that. I see kind of a mismatch of. And I feel like Monk and Fox probably were the last class where I felt like, yeah, no, they're still trying to like make yeah, this Monk, make sense. Fox, and Bam. I mean, that was yeah, yeah that was a yeah. Great. They were trying to make this still make sense, and even if they weren't getting the top top guys, they got three hell hell of a two hell of good basketball players. But since then, I just feel like the guys I'm seeing come through the program is just like, all right, we just need to get a top ten guy because you know we're Kentucky. All right, this guy will come. Oh, he can't shoot or whatever. We'll make it work. Like I don't see any plan. For how he's doing this, and I thought I felt like initially there was a little bit more thought behind it, and you know I don't know Kentucky fans in the comments you could tell me I'm again an idiot and I'm crazy, but I mean does this roster make sense to you when you look at it? It doesn't look make sense to me. I don't look, see. I mean it would I make. See, sense. I don't see. I don't see enough point guard depth. I don't see. Um, I feel like for years now we haven't seen them really invest in a big man, like really on the recruiting. Yeah, not an elite big. Yeah, like like no. the guys they've gotten have, are guys again guys that shouldn't be starting in the fresh as freshmen. Yeah, they're all the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then like, they end up staying like we end, like you end up with a Nick Richards and an EJ Montgomery who end up having to stay two or three years or four years four, or however long yeah. Nick Richards been exactly. out. It felt like four years, four or five years, but like you end up having because these guys like aren't one and done guys. Right. And then you're kind of stuck with that guy because, like, then it's hard. It becomes harder than recruit the five star guy. And when you build your like, team around those guys having immediate success, this is you get yeah. a, a five and six star, two and six star before they started winning yeah. games. Like, and that's why I, I kind of start to wonder: like, is there real thought behind these recruiting classes he's bringing in? He's bringing in good players still, guys that are highly regarded, but. He's not bringing in the top, top guys. We don't know why that is, but that's what's happening. And then the guys he is bringing in, they just don't seem to be. I mean, one of the kids you have to throw off the team. Like, like, yeah, Cam Fletcher. Yeah, Fletcher, you know, yeah. and that was a very controversial situation. But we just didn't see that at Kentucky when things were going well. He had players that wanted to play more before. We didn't see them wanting yeah. to fight him on the bench and crying. Yeah. We didn't see that. So yeah. that leads me to wonder who are the kind of kids you're bringing in and does it fit? I, I, there, there it's was, a, it's a question I have. We'll, we'll talk about one guy later um, in Jaden Hardy. We'll talk, about him. we'll talk about him more in detail, but he is the one, all I'll say is that he's the one uh, piece to this where, you know, we could be saying next he, year. He feels he's like, like he's, a, he's a feel, there, there are times where for schools, he's, where it's like you gotta, he's a gots to get kind of player. For Kentucky, Hardy feels like you gotta get him. Like yeah, they, and they may, gotta maybe get him. more so than any other recruit in the Cal Perry era. I agree. Getting Hardy that important, right? Yeah, they're in a process. Not, 
Right, and it's not to say that Hardy is the best player that they've recruited. Yeah. It's just given the circumstances and where the program is and trying to maintain some semblance of the dominance they had, I don't know what happens if they don't get him. Like, and Coach got, K, yeah. Cassius Stanley made a point. He was on the, the No Chill the No Chill podcast with Jalen with, with uh, Gilbert Arena, and he made a point about Duke saying that when you're at Duke, nothing's more important than Coach K. So you immediately kind of assimilate to the to the system because at the end of the day, Coach K doesn't need you. Coach K is bigger than he's bigger than you and every everybody on that team. Like he could, you know, you can think you're the star player or whatever, but at the end of the day, like Coach K doesn't need you. So you can leave, you know. That's why. So that's why someone like Cash Stanley played as hard as he did at Duke. He didn't come in Super Hollywood. Right now, like Cal Perry needs these guys because his system is so fra- is so fragile. Like his system is so player driven. Like Coach K develops. He's similar to Co- to Mark Few in certain ways. Now Coach Coach K started to become a little bit like Cal Perry, where he's starting to rely on some of these freshmen. But at the end of the day, like someone like Cash Stanley could have not been on that Duke team last year. They still would have made the tournament, you know, like they still would have been a top 25 team. Um, so we, so Coach K doesn't rely on these guys individually. Like Calipari, like BJ Boston not being good, that's the end. Like that, that's the end of the team. Like he needs Devin Askey not being a, an elite point guard and the team crumbles. Like Terrence Clark's been fine, I think, but because the other guys haven't really stepped up their game, like now you need him to be Tyree Kevins and he's not Tyree Kevins. So, you know, that's, so then that becomes an issue. So, you know, Calipari's system right now, because it's so freshman, one and done driven, you know, that's the that's what I was alluding to with Mark Few, where it's like, you know, do you get to that point where now you're just now you're hoping that these guys, you know, are as good as they are. Uh, with Few, that's not the concern, because even if the guy's not that good, well, yeah, so we have four or five guys from last year that'll pick up the slack. With this Kentucky team, they don't have four or five guys from last year. This is a completely new team. They brought in like 10 new guys and not many of them are good. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, it's not a great position to be in. Um, again, I'm not going to say it's over only because, you know, Kyle's a hall of famer and college basketball is very unpredictable. Like I said, but it's just not a good trend where we've, we've seen Kentucky going. And to me, it's not, good when I see what happened this season happen on the court and it's just not that shocking it's well not that surprising it is shocking because see Kentucky two and six losing six games in a row that's shocking but the but the fact that it is happening isn't isn't stunned isn't surprising because you just I just felt like this kind of season was was billowing and this is what we have now um 2022 number one player Imani Bates is widely considered one of the best prospects of the 21st century and we could see him lace up the kicks in college sooner than we expected the 16 year old forward is reportedly one course away from college eligibility his family says it will be up to him to decide whether uh he he will reclassify and play college hoops next season bates is currently committed to michigan state and that appears all signs that that's where he would go and if he completes uh the course that is needed to uh to uh graduate he would uh, enroll at East Lansing in the fall. Kendall, should Imani Bates take the plunge and enter college basketball early? So, you know, now it's time to uh, eat some crow, EJ. Uh, you know, you always like a good, a good, a good bit of crow in the morning. Uh, <laughs> we, you know, when we talked about Imani Bates' commitment to Michigan State, I mean, we, you know, for all intents and purposes, laughed it off, saying he's never going to play a game of college basketball, so what's the deal here? Uh, why is he committing now? But I think he's going to play at Michigan State, and I think he's going to play at Michigan State next year. Um, he is obviously good enough to play college basketball now. <laughs> if you watch him play, I mean, I mean, him. you watch that battle against Chet Holmgren, uh, which we really didn't get to talk about. But if you watch that battle against Chet Holmgren, like, he's clearly um, – I don't think he's as good as Chet Holmgren is right now. Um, but he's clearly, you know, a high D1 level player at this stage. And – you know, probably will be an NBA level player, you know, in about a year. Um, and he'll, he'll only be 17. But, like, he's ready to play college basketball now. So, what's the, what's the point of waiting? The only thing would be, the only concern would be, because I remember James Wiseman had this possibility at Memphis 
when Penny Hardaway got the job, there was talks that Wiseman would reclassify up and follow him to Memphis, but that he'd have to do two years at Memphis. Um, and that seemed to be a possibility, but he decided against it. He was like, no, I want to play my senior year of high school. Um, I don't know what a senior year of high school even looks like for Imani Bates at this stage. Um, plays, he's got his own prep school, basically, that was created for him. And, you know, he doesn't really need to play another year of high school football. But I think the one of the arguments there was for Wiseman, and I think there are for a lot of guys who have these possibilities, who have this possibility. But we've seen guys do this. Andre Dawkins, I remember, did it at Duke. That was, a, that was one of the more high-profile ones where he came in early and, like, you know, wasn't eligible to go to the NBA. Kyrie Lewis did it as well. Kyrie Lewis had to had to stay two years at Alabama. The, the, the drawback is that when guys stay a second year of college, it becomes harder for them to, you know, it, it, it sometimes hurts guys' draft stock. We've seen it with Miles Bridges. We saw it with Marcus Smart. With these guys that are one and done guys that end up coming back for a second year, now that you have a target on your back, and college basketball, now these coaches get to scout you, and you become easier to guard in some regards. So some of you guys don't want to do two years of college basketball. So if you're Imani Bates, would you rather kind of just be the one and done guy, you know, get in there, get out, or would you rather do two years in Tommy Izzo's system, uh, playing the Big Ten with that target on your back from day one, and you're gonna have that target on your back for two years you know that's the that's the question now look i mean it's a crazy way of thinking about it because i mean i mean 20 years ago like yeah guys pastor ewing came into georgetown with all this hullabaloo and then like had to stay four years in the big east like yes that, that that's a real grind but uh so you know imani is crying about two years in the big 10 wouldn't be <laughs> would be like all right whatever but at the same time you know he's got to worry about his own future his own financial future and i mean he'll still likely be the number one pick but you know, there's a kid in France, Victor Wenbanyama, who's, you know, who's almost on his level, if not on his level as a prospect. So he's got to think about that as well if we're talking about the 2023 draft. So that's the question. But, of course, the rule may change. So if the rules change where you can go straight from high school to the NBA, then he could do a year at Michigan State and then just go at 17. So that, those are the options for Imani Bates. I think he ends up playing college basketball, and I, I think that would be great for college basketball if that happens. Yeah, I mean, look, first of all, you know, you mentioned eating the crow and, you know, that's that's fair. You know, I, I said that, you know, I said that based on how he was talking, the commitment to Michigan State seemed very, very wary at best. And clearly, um, clearly that was uh, not the case. So I got to I got to I got to eat crow for that. Um, no, that's a admit, lie. Clearly, that was a lie. I tried. I was trying to get that sound bite in there. Um so yeah, that 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 did not work out. He he looks like you know Michigan State is gonna happen if he's gonna go to college, and I'll actually give you a different proposition than what you're talking about. One, I think he should go, because to me, I don't think I mean another year of high school basketball doesn't do anything for him. I mean he's that good. You know he he should be playing on uh, a much more advanced level and the ability to uh, do what I think he would do in the college level, which I think he would be an outstanding player in college basketball, and to do it you know as a kid who should be in high school at 17 18 years old a legitimate not like uh oh yeah i'm like 19 but i should be right no yeah like an actual <laughs> 17 year old kid averaging 20 for a team in the big 10 that's gonna you know compete for a conference championship which is what would happen i really feel like what would happen <laughs> that really goes a long way bill yeah this guy is is a bad dude and that's what imani bates is so i think he should but i'll i'll, I'll throw a caveat in there i don't think he should play two years of free basketball and now, selfishly, I would love to see him play two years of college basketball. What was the last time we saw a player of his caliber spend two years of college basketball? That's just nuts. But yeah. I actually think that he should do a year at Michigan State, get all of the hoopla, all the name recognition, all the stuff needed to kind of solidify yourself as a household name, and then do a year professionally, whether it be overseas or whether it be um, with the G League. So therefore, you get the get the price up. <laughs> right, so you get the money up, and 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 you get the money up to for what you did in college. You're now when you go to the G League or Europe or whatever, you're not some like guy who's unknown to the masses. Like you, you know, obviously basketballheads like us would have known who he was if he went straight to NBA to the G League or somewhere else. But so you're saying like, essentially masses, like if Zion, imagine if Zion went to China for a year before he went to the NBA. Like yes, exactly, like that, he would be an international hype. superstar. 
Yeah. Like if that happened, he like he would be a phenom a com- crazy phenomenon if he did that. So, but like Zion doesn't, and Zion's kind of a he's a freak athlete, so that yeah, yeah it's a little. But game, still, but like I mean, it wouldn't have been the same had he just did that from high school. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like we did that from what we saw from Duke, and then he said, okay, I'm gonna go play in China now. And then he gets all the endorsements, all the all the uh, the praise, and now he becomes an international superstar. Now you're talking about something different. So if I was advising him, I'd say go to college now, do the one year, and then after the one year, we're gonna set you up with a deal. Whether you know, again, I'm, maybe it's the G League, but again, I'm looking more overseas. I'm, you know, I'm saying maybe we play in China, maybe we play um, in in the ACB League. You know, for someone like Real Madrid, someone like that, if they would want someone like him, which they should. I mean, you know, so. <laughs> I would put him in that kind of environment, and now the guy becomes, you know, we've seen him play against high school kids, college kids, international competition. I mean, you want to talk about a good feel for who this guy is as a player, we would know that by then. And, again, I only suggest it because I know it's a risky proposition because what happens if you go and, you know, things don't work out. But I'm suggesting because the guy's that good. So, you know, he's a special kid. So, to me, that's what I would do. I would do the one year at Michigan State as a 17-year-old most of the season, and then I would um, then I would head out and and do a year overseas. And also, the reason why he should do this is, as you said, like th- there is some chance that maybe the one and done or age limit thing is over by the time your that second year comes out. So maybe you will be able to enter. We don't know yet. <laughs> right, right. So, so you know, so you don't want to. You know, so that's why you do it because. Um, What's you know what is doing high school worth when you could do a year in college and maybe still be able to Wait, leave you, after one year? You do agree that playing two years of college basketball isn't uh, isn't in his best interest? No, he should not do that. Uh, <laughs> like that to me, I don't necessarily. I'm not necessarily as concerned with the like chance of like people. Yeah, like people knowing how good he like. Again, this guy is a phenomenon. So I, right, he'll be fine. Yeah. yeah, he'll he'll be fine. Um, yeah, you get the p- poking pride at guys, but I mean, you know, we've been poking and prodding at Trevor Lawrence. Like, he's still going to go number one. Like, it's not, you know, like, what is it? What is you're it right. when, when you're that good, again, there are some guys that, yes, that's a, that is an issue. But when you're that kind of phenom, it's different. So, yeah, we'll poke and prod them for two years. That's not my concern. My concern would more be you're out there playing against, you know, pretty decent competition for free. You could get hurt. It's just not, they're, they're exploiting you for two years. You know, it's just right. not worth it. Like, Unless know. that name, image, and likeness stuff really picks up. Then yeah. yeah, yeah. If the NIL, you know, picks up or we get, you know, serious something with serious something with compensation, maybe that changes. Right. But, you know, considering the power that college What do you have, see real they, quick they're about... They're going to slow walk this. What do you see real quick about uh, Imani Bates as a player? Who does he, who does he remind you of? Is he Durant? Uh, or is that, is that... Is that, is that, is that I mean... Of course, like I mean, I think he's a Durant level prospect, but is he on that? Like, is that the is that the comp? Like, this, like that's like the, the comp. I mean, there's certainly some similarity. Yeah, he doesn't play Durant. I feel like at the same age was, or at least you know, as a freshman was, you know, had a little bit more of, of a I don't say a scoring instinct, but like yeah, played at a much better pace. I think than than yeah. Bates I, I, I'll go with someone else, and you know. There may be people who find this disrespectful. I don't. The guy's an all-star. But to me, he's like a slightly taller Jason Tatum right now. Yeah, I can see Tatum. Um, like, he has way like, more range than Tatum did at the same age. But Tatum now, I was right. I mean, I, I mean, I'm really comparing him to Tatum now. I'm not even talking about yeah. Tatum coming out of high school. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. like, no. He, that's how, again. That's how good he. I'm talking <laughs> about. But I'm talking about NBA comp right now. Like, I was like, kind of like Jason Tatum to me. Like, because yeah. both of them kind of have, like Durant. Durant is just. The special, like godlike offensive player, right. like the fluidity and like the the footwork and stuff. Even at Texas, was just something I'd never seen before. And I don't think Imani Bates is there, but like he's like a step below that. And to me, like someone like Tatum is like a step below that. Like the game's yeah, kind of like robotic, but like the skills are all there. You know what I'm saying? So, so to me, like I would say, you know, because Imani's about six ten, right? That, that's like that's what they're yeah. Yeah, so I mean, you know, Tatum's about six 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 nine, so he's a little taller, but I think the way they function on the court is very much the same. You know, obviously he's not as good as Tatum right now, but that that to me is that that would be the comp if I was comparing. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I I, I would agree with that, and I mean, it's like again, it's scary because again, at the same age, like Tatum, you know, 
was really just a mid range yeah, shooter. We, we, we yeah. weren't thinking. We weren't thinking about Tatum being a guy that should play college as a high school senior. You know, like <laughs> that tells you how yeah. just uh, yeah. as a high school senior, we were like, yo, he should be playing college basketball. Yeah, like, and and look, I, and I'll be fair. Like you know, we watched the game uh, he had against Chet, and I, I said, you know, there are clearly things he got to work on. He got to work on his left hand a little bit. Sometimes yeah. a little more, a little out of control. Rushed, yeah, yeah. You know, speed, pace of the game. You know, Ogren is way more mature of a prospect, which is not was not the narrative at the no, time. No, no. The narrative yeah. at the time was all oh, Holmgren. This guy had a raw, he's a project. Yeah, Holmgren has gotten a raw deal by a lot of people talking about his game. Because when I yeah. watched him, I'm like, I don't see anything of what these people were talking about. They were telling yeah. me this guy was weak and was years away. You know, <laughs> I'm seeing this guy playing point guard. I'm like, what are they talking about? I, I don't know. I that's why sometimes you gotta watch. You gotta watch games. You gotta watch. You can't go off of a mixtape. You can't go off one guy's or two guys' you know assessment. But something you gotta watch. Chet Holmgren could play college basketball today. You know. Yeah. And I was people were telling me the guy was raw, and I'm looking at yeah. film like, oh, I guess he is kind of raw in this AU clip. <laughs> I watched him play a game I'm like, oh no, this guy is, is the real deal. Um, let, let's get to the last story today. You mentioned him earlier. We're gonna talk about him now. Uh, top five 2021 recruit Jaden Hardy is putting a lid on his, co- his high school basketball career. 6'4 combo guard is opting out of the rest of the high school season, meaning next time we'll see him play, organized games will likely either be in college or in the pros next season. Uh, now, high school uh, sports was canceled uh, in Nevada, which is where he's from, uh, but his team was going to be playing under the club name Air NATO. That squad was set to have a showdown with Imani Bates' uh, uh, Michigan school, but Hardy will, of course, not suit up. He cited the Nevada high school season cancellation as the reason for his decision and says he's preparing for the next chapter. Kendall, what will that next chapter be for Mr. Hardy? And what do you think of his decision to uh, to chill and just say, I'm not I'm not going to rock out and play this season? So, you know, we talked about it. Calipari better hope it's Kentucky, that that, that, that next chapter is Kentucky. And by all indication, it seems like this is a at most a three horse race between Kentucky, UCLA, and the G League. And of course, whenever you say the G League, that's in, in theory it's all pro opportunities, but more more likely the G League uh, at this stage. Um, but UCLA is a really it's certainly more of a dark horse. It really seems like a two horse race between UK and the G League. And I mean this recruitment means as much as the Jalen Green to Memphis thing, it, it means that much to, to John Calipari in Kentucky. Um, and we see what Memphis ended up being when Jalen Green didn't go there. They've been very shaky this season. Uh, Kentucky could wind up being, again, very shaky next year if Jalen Hardy doesn't wind up going there. And Jalen Hardy is, is that good of a player. I mean, if you watch him, I mean, he had a game on ESPN earlier this year where, I mean, just we want to talk about Light, you were talking about in the gym range. Um, this guy, as a shooter, as a scorer, is he's Bradley Beal esque. He's, you know, I've seen comps of Ray Allen. He's that kind of a, he's that kind of an overall scorer and shooter at the basketball. Um, and he's a very good athlete as well. So, I mean, if he gets to college basketball, he's, he's a 20 point scorer easily. Um, and, I mean, that's the kind of player where he doesn't need I – mean, if you watch him, he doesn't need to do another year of college basketball. I would argue that if all the guys in this, in this class, he's probably the guy that probably needs to do college basketball the least. Um, I mean, I think it could help him, but we already know Jaden Hardy is going to go in and average 20 points a game. You know, it would be a little bit like Anthony Edwards playing college basketball where, you know, all right, Roy <laughs> – Talk about poking and prodding, like we'll just find weaknesses. But we know he's gonna. We know how good he is, and we know he'll likely be a top five pick, top three pick. Um, similar to how Jalen Green going to the G League seemed obvious because he was an obvious NBA kind of pro ready kind of player. Jane Hardy has that same projection, so um, I don't think he has much to gain from playing college basketball. But you know, people could have said the same about Jalen Suggs. You know, Jalen Suggs wasn't the consensus number one guy. It seemed like the argument for Jalen Suggs going to the G League was like, he'll never be the, he'll never pass Kate Cunningham. He'll probably not, he probably won't pass Jalen Green either. So what's the point <laughs> of playing college basketball? If you're not going to be the number one pick. And now there's a serious, there's a serious amount of people that are saying he's better than Kate Cunningham. 
I don't know if I agree with that, but that's a conversation we have another day. But at the end of the day, even being in the conversation is made it worth it, has made it worth it for, for Jalen Suggs. On the flip side, you could end up being Kate Cunningham, who came in as a contested number one guy, uh, went to Oklahoma State, uh, which we talked about in the video, may have been a bad choice for his draft stock, but he went to Oklahoma State and now he, some, I mean, I've seen mock drafts having as low as four. I think that's a little ridiculous, but it is, but it's the truth. This is where people have him. So, you know, it goes both ways playing college basketball. So for Hardy, the safest thing would be to go to the D League, like Green and Kuminga, and have your draft stock kind of just, just, just stay neutral. That's the safest thing. Uh, but if he goes to Kentucky and is their best player and is playing on national TV all, the, all every game, I mean, he's going to average 20 points regardless of where he goes. But if he does that at Kentucky, I mean, he's already going to be looked at as a special prospect. So it goes both ways. I imagine he will end up going to the G League, though. Yeah, this opting hard. out, the reason I, real quick, the reason I say that is him opting out seems, I don't say suspicious, but it just seems like, all right, he's, he's getting ready. Something's to, afoot. Uh, yeah, something, something's afoot. And I'd imagine it's, he, he's done playing amateur basketball. Mm. Yeah, I mean, first of all, I mean, I'm just watching the highlights of Hardy again, I mean, the guy is just a bucket. You know, <laughs> some of the guys, it's just, they come in the gym and uh, they're going to get 30. You know, in high school, or yeah. other kids, like it's just nothing you can do about it. And that's um, the kind of shooter he is. That's kind of opposite game he has. The six four, six five guard. Um, yeah, I mean, in terms of his decision, I mean, yeah, I, I don't. It's to me, it's wild that so many of these guys are playing in these kind of like crazy, like unsanctioned games. Like I, you know, I don't get it. You know, maybe I'm missing something. But if I was a top guy, I, I mean, if I was Imani Bates, I wouldn't be playing in these games. Are you kidding me? <laughs> coronavirus yeah. the pack is gym, the gym's packed like come on like no i'm not playing yeah it's kind of ridiculous yeah yeah so it's a little i'm a little weird so many of the guys have actually been playing i think hardy uh is making the right decision to say yeah you know what i'm gonna chill and uh and just see what happens next you know i i hope we see him in college basketball again you know i'm a college basketball fan and um i think the sport is important to just like the the health of the game so i don't now, there's things that are poisonous with the sport, <laughs> so I, I get the problematic aspects of it. But, um, but nonetheless, I think that having it as a function of, uh, of you know, the sport, I think that is important that we get kids like Hardy playing college basketball. So I hope it, whether it's Kentucky or UCLA, I hope that he's playing at some kind of college. I, I don't have a feel for what's going on here, um, but like you said, uh, typically kids that are deciding to not play tells me that there's a sense of agency there that suggests that they might not be so like married to this amateur i have to play this in this like climate in order to you know uh move forward my basketball dreams so you know with that being said that kind of makes me feel like you know maybe there is something happening with him going pro but uh hardy is hardy is nice man I mean, again, the guy can absolutely shoot. And this is crazy to see just how many of these kids now uh, come into college basketball or high school kids that are just, like, elite shooters now. Yeah, NBA range. Yeah, I mean, NBA just... range. You know, you know, I played high school basketball. I played in a very difficult league um, in New York City. And I, I saw great players who, you know, didn't shoot like the way these kids shoot now. You know what I'm saying? It's, right. it's 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 now there were some that did shoot like that, but you know a lot of a lot of guys who I knew going D one going to uh, big major programs they don't shoot like these kids do now. It's guys. That <laughs> well, I think going, a lot of the kid that Chet Holmgren is playing with in that game, that little guy who's got offers that like Hampton, that kid <laughs> shoots better than any high school kid <laughs> I've ever half seen. Court, yeah, pulling yeah, up from, you know, from Curry ring. Yeah, and he's going to Hampton. Like you know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> like that, like that. This just doesn't make sense. So, so a lot of these guys have guy, pro trainers. Guy in that, I think that uh, helped in that class. What was that? No, I would say a lot of these guys have these pro trainers that yeah. they, you know, they're working out with pros. Or I mean, I saw a video of Dior Johnson here from California working out with Chris Brinkley, you know, in New York. And like, you know, these guys, you know, at this point, you know, they're they're working out with pros. They're they're training with pro trainers, like, you know, so they get that same NBA development. But you're right. I mean, the and I think these guys are telling them at a young age, like, to play in the NBA, you need to be able to shoot. Yeah, um, and because I think because I think. You know, coaches are just understanding just like 
right now, maybe maybe there is some, you know, the game evolves and things change, but right now, the three-point shot is so important to, like, just winning basketball that I, I think that, you know, I remember playing high school basketball and was, like, you know, almost frowned upon to be taking a lot of threes, you know. It was like, those are bad shots, you know, even if you're wide open. And, the, you know, the, the, the way the game is played now is just so different that I think that, you know, coaching staffs around the country just are encouraging kids to be able to effectively shoot the ball from deep because if you're making a lot of threes and they're making twos, then you're going to win. <laughs> you know, that's just math, you know, and that's how the analytics crew in a very simplified way have kind of figured out how, why the three point shot is so important. But yeah, now Hardy, yeah. um, I, I wish him well, shout outs to Jaden Hardy. I hope that he, whatever decision he makes is uh one that he's happy with, but um, I would love to see him at a, at, at a college. And, I, and, you know, obviously, as I said before, this is a got to get recruit for Coach Cal Power. I think if this doesn't work, and you know, again, the guy still has a top five recruiting class, but this doesn't work, and he's coming with the guys he has now. And we, as we, Parks and the Boston, the Bostons of the world, leave one one and done like they were expected to. Yeah, I mean, I think as we've seen, not all top five recruiting classes. You no, know, Rovin cycle that we've seen with uh, with that program. All uh, top five classes are built equally. Yeah, know, exactly. As we've seen. So Kentucky can continue to get them, and it looks good on a on a media guide. <laughs> We're bringing in the top five recruiting class, but you know the people that know know that this isn't the same. Yeah, they don't function as a um, they don't translate to immediate wins for that program. It doesn't matter, really. You know, like just because yeah. how again how it's built. Not if you not if you're building your team around those guys. <laughs> Words. You know, you can be like, yeah, when Villanova brings in a top five recruiting class or Gonzaga, like those guys are on the bench. <laughs> you know, like yeah. they're not the best players on the team, but yeah, or maybe one of them is. Yeah, or yeah, or even if they're starting, they're around three guys who you know have played three, four years at the program already. Yes. Yeah. So Ducky doesn't have. Yeah, it's just a different environment, man. But uh, yo, I want to you know, thank everybody for checking out this edition. Of uh, the Uncommitted Podcast, I know it's been a minute. You know, kicking in uh, 2021 with a with a new show. We'll be back to our normal uh, drops. You know, about once a month or so. Um, so, so be on the lookout. You know, again, of course, you can catch all of our shows on um, YouTube and and on uh, on audio platforms. So, for, obviously, for video, catch us on YouTube. Subscribe to our channel, New Generation Media. When it comes to uh, you know audio. You can catch this podcast on the New Generation Podcast Network. You can find that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Make sure you follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, at New Generation Pod. Um, or Instagram, New Generation Podcasts. And on Facebook, you can find us at New Generation Media. Follow uh, me on Twitter, EJ underscore Stewart. Instagram, action EJ. Follow Kendall on Twitter, at New Gen Ken. Thank you guys so much for checking us out. Make sure you stay locked in. Make sure you give a comment uh, if you're on YouTube. Make sure you give a comment to see you know what do you think of these comments of these uh of this these topics we had. Um, do you agree? Do you disagree? Want to hear what you guys have to say? And make sure you like this video if you enjoyed it. That'll do it for now. For Kendall, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. Peace. <laughs>